Let's do it. And we got all our lines wide open. That's right. Right now is the perfect time to call also. There you go. You can always give us a call and uh, we'll get <laughs> you questions Give us some talk answered. about sitting here stumber, stumber and there stammer uh, back and forth trying to figure out what something to say. Or you can visit the website get your questions answered uh, that's there. That's another way to do it. The address is www.agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Easy way to remember that is Altazan's Garage Company. There's a contact bar on every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night using the form on the website, and get your questions answered that way. Mm -hmm. There's also three databases you can search, depending on what kind of information you're looking for, how much information Mm -hmm. you're looking for. There's the vehicle questions, which is kind of a short to the point answer to a particular question. Mm -hmm. There's also the vehicle topics, which is a much more in-depth article about a certain topic. Right. Put one on there this morning on battery life, why batteries have short life a lot of times, because... We have folks come in all the time and say, man, every six months to a year, I'm having to put a battery in my car. And I've tried all kinds of different batteries. Well, there's reasons why that happens. And that's what this article goes into. It talks about battery sulfation and some of the things that occur. Also, parasitic draws. Which is something you never really heard about before. Right. And all of a sudden, it's out there. Well, about the only draw you had on a system before is maybe somebody forgot the headlights on or somebody left the light on in the car. Every once in a while, you get something like the glove box light was staying on. Right. And that was about as difficult as it got. But what you have to remember now is that the average modern vehicle has about 50 computers, which are all on a network talking to each other. Now, those 50 computers, any one can draw two to three amps of current, which will kill a battery overnight. Five hundredths of an amp or 50 milliamps is the maximum draw that you can have, and less is better. But what can happen very often is that when you turn the key off, these computers will stay on for a little while. That can be up to an hour. But then they will actually go to sleep or power down. Now, what can happen is that one or more may not power down when it should because of some malfunction on the system. For instance, if a certain sensor is pinging this computer, we saw one not too long ago, and the power seat module was being armed. Uh Now, you had no way to know that because there's no outward signs, but it kept pinging the power control module, which kept it awake, which killed a battery in about two or three days. Right. Now, if you drove the car every single day... You probably would notice it as Right. Well, the alternator could pick it back up in the morning, but what happens, you're deep cycling that battery, so you end up killing your batteries every six months. Uh Uh-huh. But it's one of those things where you have absolutely no idea this is going on except the battery keeps dying. That's the only symptom you get. That's the only thing. Yeah, you're not going to see these modules talking to each other on a Class 2 data network right. when they shouldn't be because that's invisible to anybody who doesn't have a digital lab scope that can hook into the circuit. And even then, sometimes it's an intermittent issue. Sometimes it doesn't occur all the time. So this article goes in-depth on that topic. You might want to read that if you've ever had any of those kind of problems, or even if you haven't, kind of prevent you from having some of those kind of problems. There you go, and... Maybe having them and not realizing what's going on. Well, yet. that's right. A lot of times people just keep buying batteries. Yeah. <laughs> Man, just can't get a good battery. That's it. <laughs> and that happens a lot with all kinds of things, fuel pumps, air conditioning compressors. Oh, definitely. On and on and on and on, on. The behavior that you're doing, the, the type of repair you're doing is causing the problem. 
But at well, he's a doggone parts, you know. And yeah. I, and parts are bad enough. Don't get me wrong. Ain't but, that the truth? Uh, <laughs> they don't. They don't get to blame for absolutely everything. But that's just one of the many, many things you can do on the website. Of course, you go in there and vote for your favorite automotive idol. Right. Delta 88 still on top? He has a very, very narrow lead. Really? Yes. Need to get in there and get all the votes we can on that. So all right. maybe bump him on out of number one. <laughs> go, ahead, go, ahead, go ahead and humble him just a little bit. There you go. There you go. <laughs> that or, or prove who's the boss, one or the other. <laughs> Tons of other things. Of course, you can go in there and take the Agco Auto Quick Quiz, get you a free Agco T-shirt shipped to you. Right. Lots and lots of other things. Just pop on there, look around, see what you think. I think you'll really like it. It's a great site, lots of great free information, non-biased information, I should say. Well, and that's exactly it. What happens so often when you go on the Internet, if you type in, say, extended warranty, and you want some unbiased information, you got to search through about 75 pages of people who sell extended warranties. Right. Well, obviously, they're going to tell you how great these things are. And after you go through about 75 pages, you start getting to the guys like Consumer Reports who say, hey, this is a rip. (laughs) But you got to really, really kind of watch because so much paid stuff on the Internet. Right. And that's one reason why we don't accept sponsorship on the show. Had parts stores and even car dealerships offer to sponsor the show. Uh They'd pay for the whole show. No, 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 we don't need that. Right. We'll do just fine like we are. <laughs> and that way we can answer only to our conscience. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, that's just one of the good things on that particular site, www.agcoauto.com. Pop on there, see what you think. I think you'll really like it. And we're going to the phone lines with Herb. Good morning, Herb. Good morning. Yes, sir. Good morning. I wanted to see if I told my friend right. He's looking at mine, an 08 Chevrolet double cab pickup half ton. Okay. Uh, and he's got a 18, 20-foot heavy-built trailer with a Manhendra 60-horse tractor and a 7-foot bush hog. And oh. I told him the transmission wouldn't hold up. Oh, no, it's a half-ton truck? Yes, sir. Oh, oh no, no absolutely not. Okay. No, no uh, and they'll tell you, oh, it'll pull 7,000 pounds or 8,000 pounds. It will. Yeah, it'll pull it. For a few it, minutes. <laughs> it's going to definitely stress that, that unit out. He'd be much, much, much better off with a three-quarter ton if he wants to pull something like that. Okay, he's been uh, towing it with a half ton. I mean, it's with a three quarter ton Chevy van for right. years. But well, right. three quarter ton will see. Cause when you go to a three quarter ton, I know that's only a quarter ton difference in the rating, but it's, it's a major, major difference in the vehicle. Okay, the frame is much heavier. Generally, you're going to have floating axles. You got a much heavier rear end, either a nine and a half or a ten and a half ring gear rear end, as opposed to an eight and a half that comes in a regular pickup. You've got a heavier transmission, either a four L eighty rather than a 4L60, which is a major, major step up. Mm-hmm. Bigger radiator, heavier drive shaft, heavier U-joints, even a heavier frame. Mm-hmm. It's just a much heavier vehicle. Mm-hmm. And I know the rating doesn't really say that because when they say, well, it's a quarter ton more, but it's, it's a much, much heavier vehicle when you step up to a true three-quarter ton. And okay. when, then when you go with a dually, you get even better. Oh, yeah, then you go into a one-ton. Well, now you right. got huge stuff. I mean, that, that's something that can haul something. I listen to you all the time, but he didn't want to believe me because he was going to say it was too good a deal. He would pass up. So. Well, but what's a good deal? Is a yeah. good deal saving 4000 bucks up front and spending $6,000 on repairs? Mm-hmm. Or is a good deal go ahead and spend money up front and not have any repairs and have something that will last you 200,000 miles and you can still get your money back on it? That's right, because when he's got it, pushing <laughs> 200000 it hadn't given him no trouble. Well, that's, that's it. it. That's, that's exactly right. And I see this all the time. And we get people, believe it or not, I get people who bring a car to me to inspect, a used car. I tell them, do not buy it even on a bet. Don't buy this vehicle. But it's a good deal. Mm-hmm. It's not a good deal. <laughs> it's got all kind of problems, and they'll buy it. Mm-hmm. You know, I said, well, why'd you bother coming to me and check to check it? You know, if you're going to buy it anyway. But 
that good deal, man, people, that's what gets people in so much trouble is they just don't think long-term. They look at that little catch, you know, that, that cheap price mm-hmm. instead of the overall lowest cost. And, man, they end up paying through the nose for it. I mean, that's what's got our whole country in, in trouble we're in right now. Right. Okay, well, I thank you. Okay, Mr. Herb, we thank you, sir. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. All right, part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we got Mitch online. Good morning, Mitch. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing today? Doing great, sir. All right. Uh, well, I have a question. Sure. I, I have a 2003 Dodge Dakota. Yes, sir. And the cooling fan went out on me. I mm-hmm. actually sent you the email on it. Okay. And I was checking around, and the prices on, on those things are pretty high. Mm-hmm. I did find one at a salvage yard, but it's a but, but it's a little bit older model. Yeah. They have uh, actually changed the design on that right. thing, Mitch. The new one that you get from Chrysler is going to come with an, a different plug-in that you have to change and some different stuff because they had so much trouble with them. They've updated it. I think that really the your best money to spend is just to go ahead, bite the bullet, go to Chrysler and pay the price and get the new updated one. If you get an old one, number one, you're getting an old motor. You're getting a motor that already had problems because it was designed improperly. And you go into a lot of trouble to do it. The risk you're taking, Mitch, is if that thing overheats a few times, blows a head gasket, now you're in much, much deeper trouble than you had a man if you just went ahead and it's not the fan that costs three hundred and fifty dollars. It's a lack of problems in the future that costs three hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> oh, okay. So I know that when we do an awful lot of these and we just go ahead and bite the bullet and buy the Chrysler unit. I had not too long ago, I guess a year ago. A fella came in, and he's, oh, I can get one off the Internet. I said, I wouldn't advise you to do that. Oh, man. I said, look, i tell you what. I'll put it in for you long as you understand. I'll guarantee it's put in. And that's it. Oh, I understand. I understand. He bought this thing off the Internet, had it shipped in. It lasted about three months and burned up. Well, now he's, what you can do now? You know, you can't take it off and send it back because you ain't got a fan for your truck. He had to go buy the Chrysler unit, so everything he spent on the other unit is completely gone. Mm-hmm. told me later, he said, well, I tried to send it back now out of business. <laughs> so a lot of times, in fact, maybe even most of the time, the cheapest way out is the more expensive way in. Yeah. Go ahead and bite the bullet, buy the right yeah. thing, get the updated one, put it on there, and move on with your life. You know, you're going to end up more yeah. grief. Fix it. fix it forget it. Yeah, fix it forget yeah. it, move on, and I think you're going to end up with so much less grief and so fewer problems in the future. You, know, you go put the wrong thing on there. It backs up. It causes some electrical issues. I mean, just on and on and on it goes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm riding around with, without the fan, so yeah. i got to be sure that I don't get stuck in traffic. Yeah, boy. <laughs> yep. Just shut it off if you have to come to a stop. Yeah, that's what I'm doing, and mm-hmm. watch the temperature gauge. Too. Yeah, sir. That's it. Yeah, watch it close. Cause yeah, because uh, you don't want to overheat it. Yeah, depending on what engine you got in there, if it's a 4.7, those are pretty bad about blowing head gas if they get hot one time. Well, it's uh, the six-cylinder. Okay. Well, those are a little tougher, but still, it's not something you want to just let happen. Okay. All righty. Okay, thanks so Okay, much. Mitch, thank right. you, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to take a quick little break. We'll be right back with more of the Automotive Hour. here and welcome to Agco's Automotive Idol, where singing cars compete for your votes. Here's King Cab. My owner took me to Agco for losing my cool. She trusts those ace technicians cause she ain't no fool. Well, they fixed my radiator and everything. Now I'm rolling down the highway like I'm a king. Agco 
and visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-Auto.com to hear entire songs performed by all our contestants, then vote on your favorite. And remember, for vehicles fixed right the first time for the overall lowest cost, Agco is the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just joined us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, tune to us. We'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? Just go ahead and give us a call. We'll put you right at the top of the list, answer your question, give you some free advice. That's right. Get you going today or maybe That's during right. the week. Maybe try to prevent some problems in the future. That's it. <laughs> that last caller, I understand exactly what he's saying, and I do understand where he's coming from. Money is tight now, and everybody wants to try to save every penny they can everywhere they can. Right. But what you have to get very, very careful with is that you don't want to fall for false economy. That's where you buy something for a lower initial price that costs you much more money down the road. Correct. And that is one thing that a professional brings to the mix that a do-it-yourselfer just can't see. The fact that I have seen thousands of cars, I've seen thousands of things attempted, and I see where they go. I see not only the beginning, but I see the end. Right. You've got the total experience. Over and over and over and over and over. Whereas when you're going into something, all you see is the beginning of it. You can't foresee all the things that could possibly happen because you don't have a lifetime of experience seeing this kind of thing. So that's why amateurs and do-it-yourselfers make so many mistakes right. that cost them so much money, whereas professionals don't. If the average person ever came to the shop and sat there and watched and see how many head gaskets and cylinder heads and new engines we put in. Yeah, we've we've actually got three in the shop right now with yeah. head problems. Right. Cylinder head gaskets blown, cylinder heads cracked, cracked. Right. cylinder walls galled up. The physics of an overheat is not a pretty thing. No, it's not. <laughs> Those even e- even if you can repair it, it's you know, never going to be the, the damage is still done. That's right to a point. And not only that, but you can end up very very easily damaging things. Like for instance, with this cooling fan, that fan not only cools the engine, the radiator also cools the transmission. Uh-huh. So when it's the engine's overheated, the transmission's overheated, and it also holds the head pressure on the air conditioning down. Now, what happens without a cooling fan running, the head pressure on a nice hot day like today may go up as high as 350 to 400 pounds. Right. Now, with that excessive pressure in the system, the seams in the evaporator core, the condenser, and all of that start to unfold because they're just wrapped aluminum seams, and they're designed for a certain amount of pressure. So if you keep putting more and more pressure in there, you start unfolding these seams, you start popping leaks in things like evaporator cores under the dash of the car, which involves pulling the entire dash out to repair. You're stressing the devil out of the compressor on the car because it's designed to operate at a specific amount of pressure. Many times we see where on the aluminum case compressors, it'll actually swell the case on the compressor. Uh Now it's distorted that case so the big rubber O-ring in there can't seal anymore. So, so it, starts boom, leaking. it starts leaking. Well, right. now we're into a new compressor or a new evaporator core, possibly a new transmission, all on the count of a cooling fan. Right. So, yeah, I'm real big on not paying 350 bucks, which is what Chrysler gets for that fan assembly. But you can't always look at it as $350 for a fan. It's $350 to keep the engine from burning up, transmission from burning up, and the air conditioning from going out. Right. <laughs> and 
is $350 too much? Yeah, it probably is. But you know what? They got it. You need it. And ain't nobody else making one like it. And it's going to save you a lot down the line, too. Well, that's right. That's right. I mean, you got to look at it long, long term. Basically, that car is probably not worth the twenty-five to thirty grand you paid for it. Oh, exactly. But that's what it costs. Yeah. Now I know it was all nice and shiny and smelled good and had a salesman <laughs> telling you were cool when you bought it, but right now it's broke. Needs to be fixed correctly. <laughs> that's right. Not everything in life is worth really what it costs, but if you don't have another viable option, that's what you have to do. You have to look at the big picture. Right. You have to look at the overall cost, and that's the whole concept of AGCO is the overall lowest cost. Because what happens if you're in in lieu of more knowledge, and if you don't understand what all can happen and what all the expenses are that can be involved in this, you're very, very likely to be prone to jump at the lower price mm-hmm. because it's very attractive. Hey, man, I'm going to save some money. Yeah, a lot of people shop for lower price. Well, they do, and it's human nature to do that. Right. And it applies not only to car repair, but to everything. 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 Exactly. You go to paint your bedroom, and you see some paint on sale for $3 a gallon less. So you buy it. You go down there, you paint your bedroom, you can still see through it. That well, or, now you that go or back, yeah. next year you paint it again because. Well, you got to go back and buy two more gallons. So now you're paying more than the good stuff would have cost. Plus, you have to paint the room twice. Yeah. And it don't last half as long as it starts peeling off. And that's something I hate doing is painting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but that's just one more example. And right. And the same exact thing with everything else. What happens on cars, unfortunately, because it is an integrated system, it's not only that you're losing the money on the stuff you buy. You can create other problems which are far, far, far more serious than the original problem you had. Exactly. One prime example on that is like on air conditioning work. Let's say you've got an AC compressor that goes out. Well, number one... Compressors don't just go out, not ever. Something caused it. Something caused it. Either it's being overpressured, you got a leak, it's leaked all out of it. Something caused the problem. So if you don't find the original cause, you're wasting your time right right from the get-go. Uh-huh. But let's say you do find the original cause, but you go down, you buy one of these cheap compressors at a parts store, you stick that on there. Well, it lasts about three months, bam, it goes out. Now, it slings metal throughout the entire system. Now, if you were smart at the first time to change the filter dryer, change the expansion valve or the orifice tube, change the condenser, you probably, if you did all the work yourself, you probably laid out twelve to fifteen hundred bucks. If you had a shop do it, you probably laid out two grand. Right. Now this cheap compressor comes apart. Well, we're right back exactly where you started. That's right. Now all those things have to be replaced again. It's another condenser. It's another expansion valve. It's another this. It's another that. Plus probably more. Yeah. Plus you still got to buy another compressor. Yeah. Oh, they'll give me another one for free. Okay, they'll give you all those stuff too. (laughs) (laughs) So you can get into just deeper, deeper, deeper stuff. It's almost like buying a cheap set of pistons and putting them into an engine. One of them breaks. Well, when that piston breaks, it's not going to be just getting another piston. That's right. They'll give you another piston for free. Oh, yeah, here's another piston. (laughs) Yeah, but it's going to destroy everything that's around it. Well, that's right. We had a guy who came by the shop not too long ago, a peddler, I guess it was. And tried to throw him out, but I just couldn't get rid of him. He's trying to tell him how much money he's going to save me on these cheap Chinese bearings he's trying to sell me for differentials. Uh huh. And I said, no, sir, we use Timken bearings because we have had very good luck with them. On some of the Japanese, we'll use, I think it's Koyo, which is a Japanese bearing, which is also extremely high quality. Right. But that is all we use. Well, man, these are half the price. So, okay, well, that's great. But you know what? When I put that bearing in there and it fails and eats up a set of gears or eats up a set of axles, or breaks a carrier, what are you going to do? 
Well, we'll give you another barrel. Yeah, here's another barrel. <laughs> yeah, it's Have six, a good day. Six and a half hours labor to tear all this stuff back down. Not to mention the parts that it tears up on its way all out. All the other stuff it tears up. Not to mention you got a customer who is rightfully oh, yeah. dissatisfied. Definitely. So I just can't afford cheap parts. Right. And you can't hardly get this through the salesman's noggin that I'm not looking for cheap. If you got something that is better than anybody else out there. Right. I'm looking for quality. Yeah, come see me. Yeah, I'm sending a worldwide invitation. If you got something that is better than anybody else has, you come see me. That's we right. don't talk. But if you just got something that's cheaper, yeah, don't bother. Yeah, <laughs> don't don't bother because I'm probably gonna hurt your feelings. <laughs> cheap junk is just way too expensive. I just can't afford it. Oh, that's it. I can't afford cheap tires on my car. I can't afford to buy cheap gas. I'm a poor yeah. guy. I work every day. I work 12 hours a day. I cannot afford to throw my money away on that cheap junk. I got to buy the good stuff. Well. That's it. I was on my way up here this morning, coming up the interstate here, and there was a car on the side of the road with a, a flat, blown out, completely blown mm-hmm. out tire. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, you know, I'm glad I went ahead and put them Michelins on my truck. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Sit out there in a hundred degree weather, changing yeah. a flat on the side of the road. Exactly. And lucky to slide over into the side of somebody else and have a wreck. And That's it. Now he's down there in court trying to explain to the judge why he had yeah tore up five cars here on the yeah because I got a uh, hundred dollars off on a set of tires. <laughs> what a deal! Huh? Yeah, three buy three get one for free. That's right. I was talking to a fellow day and Justin was out there changing the oil in my truck. He said, "That's your truck." And I said, "Yeah." He says, um, "What's he doing?" I said, "Well, he's changing all." He says, you put mobile one. I said, yeah. I said, all I run. And he said, well, how often you change it? I said, every 3,000 miles. He's like, well, man, it'll go longer than that. I said, well, maybe it would. But you know what? I change every 3,000 miles. He said, why do you do that? I said, because I can't afford to buy another truck. Right. I've got a truck that's nine years old. It's still like brand new. And I am going to keep that truck for at least another nine years, maybe longer. Right. Probably a 20-year lifespan minimum on that truck. i got to take care of it. Because I can't afford to go plank down thirty grand for another truck. Yeah, I can afford a bottle of Mobile One, <laughs> <laughs> but I got to take care of my stuff just because I can't afford to keep on changing out, or I don't want to. Even right. if, even if I could afford, it. I just don't want to. It's just not my nature. My granddaddy and my daddy both nailed that into my head. Oh yeah, I, I got it too. Oh yeah, absolutely. Hey, you buy something, make it last. Yeah, buy something good and make it last. I remember watching my granddaddy work on something. He had a hammer there. I think his daddy had given it to him, I think probably 100 years old, and the handle was getting it. Well, he goes get some new handling puts in there. Yeah. Well, nobody would do that anymore. They yeah, just throw it away and bomb another right. hammer. He put a new handle on this one because it's still good. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that thing's barely 100 years old. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That thing was built to last. That's right. We're going to put another handle on. We're going to keep on using it. <laughs> We're going to take one more quick little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Hi, I'm Ryan Sebring, and welcome to Agco's Automotive Idol, where singing cars compete for your votes. Our next contestant, Old Delta 88. My old owner loved me, and he treated me fine. Used to tag me to Agco all of the time. Now my new owner cuts corners, is looking for a deal. It's enough to make my poor tires, my poor tires squeal. I got new on the blues, he don't want to treat me nice. I got the cheap on the blues, down the road he'll pay the price. Yes, he will. Oh, sing it, old Delta 88, and visit agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-Auto.com to hear entire songs performed by all our contestants. Then vote on your favorite. And remember, for vehicles fixed right the first time, for the overall lowest cost, Agco is the place to go. 
Lewis Alvazam, Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, why don't you go give us a call? So we'll talk about whatever you like and try to give some free advice, point you in the right direction, maybe keep you from making a mistake. That's right. Maybe talk about a mistake you made. <laughs> <laughs> I've made a few myself. We'll talk about those. It yeah, don't matter. <laughs> the thing is, we learn from them. Well, yeah, you try to. Some people do, some people don't. Just kind of all depends. <laughs> a lot of people don't realize they made a mistake. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the problem. Yeah, it, it really is good. It's hard oftentimes to see what happened or what caused this or what caused that. It's sort like we were talking about in the last segment about cheap tires is one thing that we see a lot just because we do a lot of front-end suspension work and all. Right. And gentleman will buy a set of tires, save a couple hundred bucks on them, think he's got a deal, and now the car shakes. So first thing he does is brings it back to the tire store. Well, they balance them again, but it's still shaking. So next thing he goes back, and they say, well, you need another set of shocks. That's why it's shaking. So they put a set of junk, cheap aftermarket shocks on there, take off the ones he had, which well, probably, probably the best ones he ever had on it. best one he'll ever have because yeah. <laughs> he got rid of them. And now the car is really carrying on. Well, he brings it over to us. We check. He said, you got four out-of-round tires, and by the way, your rack and pinion's leaking now. Oh, man, right. what made that happen? Well, mm-hmm. those out-of-round right. tires there beat you it go. to death, you know. So then he pays me six, $700, change the rack of pinion, don't take the tires off, leaves them on there, keeps on going down the road. Next thing you know, he's got a humming noise. Well, that's the wheel bearings tore up. Well, what caused that? Well, them tires you got on there. Yeah. Oh, man, but them tires are cheap. I got a deal on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, you're out a 1000 bucks right now. You saved 200 on tires. Right. So how much did you really save? Yeah, well, pretty soon you get some serious. Well, I was going to buy another car. Okay. Well, now you spent 30000 bucks, saved $200 on sale of tires. And that kind of stuff happens over and over again. It's kind of funny when we talk about it, but it, it really does happen. And obviously, these are not stupid people who are doing this. It's just very hard to see your way clear on some of this stuff. The price is something you can see. It's something you can measure. It's very, very easy. Right. But the overall cost, particularly if you don't understand, then it's it's way easier just to blame it on something else. Well, this is just a bad car. Man, this is just an old car. Old cars are just getting old, needs new and got to be got. Whereas you're actually creating and causing the problems. Sure. Very, right. very, very many times. So. Let's go back to our phone lines with Craig. Good morning, Craig. I've got a 2005 Chevy Silverado mm-hmm. uh, an intermittent power steering problem. Okay, what's it doing? Sometimes it just doesn't have any assist. No and, boost. You know, I, get, I look to see about tightening the belt, but it has yeah. that. Uh, right, it's got a serpentine. Right, it keeps right. itself tight. And, and I took it to the dealership, and it wasn't doing it when it was when when they had it there, mm-hmm. so they said they didn't know what it was. Yeah. Well, they told, they told you right. <laughs> There's only two possibilities on that, Craig, and I can tell you by a wide, wide, wide margin, we generally find the steering gear itself is bad is what's causing that. The other possibility is the pump, but I got to say for every pump we change, we probably change five steering gears. Yeah. To actually diagnose that problem is going to be way over the head of a dealership. You're going to have to have hydraulic gauges where you can tee into the lines, measure the pressure on the system, when it occurs, and if you've got full pressure out of the pump while it's occurring, obviously it's the steering gear. If you do not have full pressure, then it's going to be the pump. Now, one thing that you can do yourself, Craig, next Uh time it's occurring, get somebody to go in there and turn the wheel, and it's going to be hard to turn. Just get them to pull on that wheel. Watch the hoses very, very carefully. If you see those hoses kind of tightening up and moving, you know how they do when you go full over? then the pump is probably okay because it's making enough pressure to move those hoses. If those hoses aren't moving at all, 
then you're possibly into the pump. That's the way it all goes. It's kind of complicated diagnosis on that thing. We do a lot of that kind of stuff just because that's what we do. But if you just want to guess, I can tell you the odds are way in your favor on the steering gear. Most of the time, that's the problem. Is that a expensive repair? Yep. (laughs) 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 Is that that something that's going to get progressively worse? uh, Go completely out on you. Oh, and wow. if you drive it around long enough, what will happen is that the steering gear is starting to break down internally. If a piece of metal comes out of that gear and circulates through the pump, it'll take the pump out too. Then you end up buying yeah. both. Tell you one other thing you could just try, Craig. That's got a rack and pinion steering, doesn't it? Uh, or does it have a box? Yeah, they come both ways. I'm not right. sure. If it's got a rack and pinion on it, just take the boot, you know, that rubber accordion-shaped boot on either end of the rack. Preferably the driver's side. Yeah, and the driver's side seems to be the one that leaks yeah. the most, but cut that little clamp, pull that boot back, and fluid comes pouring out, then you pretty much got your diagnosis right, right there. Oh, when when okay. you pull that boot back, don't be under it. Yeah, don't, don't stand under it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. at, least not, well, at least not with a shirt you want to wear the rest of the day. There you go. <laughs> All right. All right, well, it, it, it had low mileage. I mean, I only had about 30,000 miles yeah, on it. That's about it right. That's about right. Yeah. That's about right, huh? Yeah. Oh. Pitiful setup, man. Pitiful, right. pitiful setup. Those All trucks right. have so many problems like that. It's just, it's just crazy. But, really? Yeah, and they sell rebuilt racks for it. They sell rebuilt boxes, but there's still a rack's going to probably cost you 300 350 bucks, and probably two and a half hours to put it in there, labor plus the fluid, fluid and plus alignment. Right. So it's going to jump on up there, seven, eight hundred bucks. Wow! All right, all right. Well, thanks for your expertise. Okay, sir. Thank you. And good day. Yes, sir. Thank you. Bye, bye. Right, if you want to be part of the automotive, I we'd love to have you. That's one of those things where the newer vehicles I had a guy in the other day, and he was looking through the window, and there is a 2009 model Ford F-150. Right. There is a 2008 Ford Expedition, and there's a 2009 model Escalade. All sitting there with the rear end store apart. <laughs> All the gears out, housing's empty. <laughs> yeah. And he was saying, wow, what's going on here? I said, well, gears are worn out in the Fords, just the bearings going on it. But those kind of big repairs, I mean, we're just doing those on a daily basis. Sure. Uh, the newer Fords eat air conditioning compressors. I mean, the like the Crown Vicks and the Town Cars and right. the Focus and all of them. You get 50,000, 60,000 miles, you almost looking at an air conditioning compressor on the thing, which is a big old job. Sure it is, especially if you don't catch it before it tears something else up. Well, that's right. And another one down on the other end of the shop, of course, Josh is down there working on an expedition, 60,000 miles, transmissions in pieces. Yep. So what makes all this happen? Well, it's the content of the parts they're using and the designs they're using. They're, they're using a very, very flimsy design to start with. And then every bit of this stuff's being made offshore. That's it. They have designed it and re-engineered it and re-engineered it till they got it down to the minimum that it can stand. Right. And then they step back up one step and hope for and, best. And using fear grade parts. That's it. <laughs> that is it. It's really, really a sad situation. Of course, like I said, I'm not complaining because I'm in the auto repair business. Well, kind of con- confirm my job choice. But and <laughs> you figure everything from 2000 and up is our main. Oh, yeah. And, you know, from 2006 on up, 2007, 8, 9 is what we're really working on way more than than we are the old ones. Some of the old ones, some of the best vehicles ever built. Yeah. How many of those 
2001, 2002 Suburbans come in with 300,000 miles on them. Well, that's it. 300,000 miles you right. put in the first transmission. Right. Spent a few dollars along the way, but, man, right. you know, it's a vehicle that, that – and, and they, they're so happy with it. I'm going to get another one just like mm. it. No, you ain't. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> them unless, days are gone. Not unless you go find your one use one. <laughs> uh, them days are gone. <laughs> yeah, that'd be the best bet for sure. Hey, let's go to our phone lines here. We have got Mike online. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, guys. Thank you so much for doing this on Saturday mornings. Yes, Appreciate sir. you out here. Well, thank, thank you. you. I got a 2006 F-350. Yes, sir. It's got 90,000 miles on it. Mm-hmm. It's got the six liter that has been the plague of that diesel division. <laughs> been in and out of the shop countless times. Mm-hmm. And I believe they got most of it took care of yeah. the last time it was in there. You know, once you finally get those things right, Mike, they're a pretty good truck. But you'll probably spend five grand getting it right. You'll well, fi- fix it uh, all forwards, screw ups. <laughs> but the problem I'm seeing, uh-huh. uh, when I first got it back this last time, the new head gaskets and head heads, I mean, they, you know, they have to take the whole cab off the right. truck. I'm noticing that it's taking a little longer to, to crank, and I'm having to hit it twice, you know, a second and a half, two, maybe three seconds. I used it, and, and then when I first got it back out of the shop, it would hit after the glow plug right. off, it hit pretty quick, but... Well, I want to know if that was developing another issue. If I'm losing prime, I'm losing. If I've got a leaking injector, what do you? What does could that sound possi- like? Could possibly be my glow plug on a day like today does absolutely nothing. You don't even need a glow plug. You can unplug them because you know, on a hot day like this, you're not going to ever need it. You crank right up. There's a part in there called an injector control module. I know Justin changes those a lot for hard start. And I'm not a diesel guy myself. I got one working for me, but I'm not a diesel guy myself. If he was on the show, he could tell you for sure. But I know they changed that part on the six liters a lot. has something to do with controlling the injectors. The other thing would be something like the lift pump bleeding down. That's what picks the the fuel up in the tank and gets it to the injector pump. And if it bleeds the fuel back to the tank, it's going to have to crank. Tell you what you could try next time, Mike. Before you crank it, turn the key to on. And then just turn it off without trying to crank it, and then turn it on again, and then crank it, see if it cranks right up. All right. Because you'll cycle a pump each time you do that. And if that uh, does it, it's more likely going to be your pump. I'd leave it on and let it get as hard prime as I could, but it felt. Well, but see, it doesn't run. It runs for about two seconds, and it shuts down. If it doesn't doesn't see the crank turn, it shuts it down, keep from flooding it. So right, if you just leave it on, it doesn't do anything. You got to you got a cycle turn ignition. Off, turn it back on. I probably got a uh, pickup pump issue. It could be. Could be the lift pump in the tank. Those go out quite a bit too. All righty. That's not the one you got to take the bed off to get to, huh? You can take the bed off, or you can drop the tank. It's not that bad of a deal. We change them pretty often. All right. Thanks again. All right, man. You guys are your expertise. Thank you. Well, thanks, so much. sir. Thank Bye-bye. you. All right. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And let's see, we've got Russ online. Good morning, Russ. Good morning, sir. Yes, sir. Good morning. I have a 2000 Ford Explorer. Uh-huh. When I started up in the morning, the belt squeaked. Okay. But when I checked the belt, the belt is tight. The belt's going to be tight on it because it's got yeah, a it's got tension. Yeah, it's got a tensioner that will hold the belt tight. Now, if the belt is stretched out, there's a gauge on the tensioner housing. The, the way the tensioner works is a big spring in there, and there's a kind of an embossment on the top of the outside where the pulley's at the part that bolts to the block has kind of like a gauge on it and that point should be somewhere in the middle of that gauge right if it's not then the belt is stretched out belt is stretched out. now what kind of engines in this vehicle the four liter well i'm gonna tell you what russ one thing you might want to be careful of because we see this an awful lot that engine has a part called a synchronizer now a synchronizer is where the old distributor used to be because it doesn't have a distributor. Instead, it's got a synchronizer that comes up with a cam sensor on top of it. The shaft in that synchronizer gets dry, and it sounds exactly like a belt. 
Okay. And people have changed belts to their blue in the face and still and had that noise and then bring it to me. They changed tensioner, changed the belt, changed the idler pulleys. They still got noise. Bring it to me. I changed the synchronizer and fix it. Right. But when I tell you it sounds exactly like a belt, it's hard for an expert to tell the difference. Next time it's doing it, go under the hood and just look around real good. See if you can find that synchronizer. Should be up on in the front of the, front of the motor of the somewhere, somewhere and see if that noise ain't coming out of there because it makes oh. the exact same noise as a belt. I will do that. All righty. Now, I don't know how handy you are, but if you take the belt off the vehicle, yeah. crank it up just for a, a few minutes. Split if, second. If the noise is still there, then it's definitely the synchronizer. Right. Because you've taken okay. the belt off and taken yeah, all the pulleys out of the system. Temporarily take the belt off, crank it up in the morning, see if right. the noise is still there. If it is, then you know you're in something now, else. Now, either find the routing for the belt. It should be stamped under the hood. Mm-hmm. If it's not, draw yourself a diagram. Right. Because yes, that belt so. will go on like three different ways. <laughs> but it only works one. Right. <laughs> You have to have the still on there, sir. All righty. All right. All right. Thank you, sir. Okay, Russ. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Right. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And we've got Hal online. Good morning, Hal. Good morning, man. Yes, Good sir. morning. Look, I have a parasitic draw, a 95 Silverado. Okay. And I've pulled a fuse, and I've isolated it to a fuse that says radio battery what is the significance of radio and battery being on the same circuit what was this talking you know yeah that's going to be probably the keep alive memory fuse for the radio for the radio right now you see that what you have to do how is to get a wiring diagram and see what all things are controlled on that circuit mm-hmm. and then start taking them a loose one at a time and see when you draw drops now, we have seen some of the radios on those things cause that problem. It's got a computer inside that radio, and it's supposed to power down. If it doesn't, the faceplate will go blank, but it's still pulling power and up killing a battery pretty darn quick. Hmm. I would probably go in and try disconnecting the things on that circuit one at a time and see when the draw goes away. Now, when you're measuring your draw, too, be careful uh, how a lot of people get fooled. If you just hook like a milliamp meter across your battery terminal mm-hmm. and measure the draw, Mm-hmm. and you turn the key off, and it's got to draw. You can't go by that. Let it sit there for about an hour because oh. that stuff's got to power down. Sometimes it takes up to an hour before it goes to sleep. So you'll think you got to draw, and you ain't. Oh, okay. <laughs> Some okay. of that stuff takes as much as an hour to power down. If I just run it without this fuse, will that hurt anything? It very well may because the same fuse could control, like, keep live memory on your computer, uh-huh. which you're going to start losing your code. So if you go to your inspection, you won't be able to get an inspection sticker. Also, uh-huh. it can interfere with the idle and the way the vehicle runs if I it's tied to that. I don't know if you still have your owner's manual. Don't believe. Okay. I was going to say, in the back of it, it usually gives you a list of fuses and what they control mm-hmm. would give you a starting point. But like Lewis said, you really need to get a wiring diagram, right. and you figure could, out what is on that circuit, uh-huh. and go from there. Right. You could probably go on the Internet and, and pull that uh-huh. up somewhere. But, uh-huh. yeah, without that, how are you going to be kind of just shooting blind? You know, it could be any number of things on there. I probably wouldn't leave the fuse out except in an emergency until you can get it figured out just yeah. because we don't know what else it powers. It might power something you uh-huh. need. Okay. All righty. I appreciate it. Thank okay, you, sir. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you. All right, we got to take a quick little break. Suzanne, hang on. You'll be straight up after this break. Ryan Sebring here, and welcome to Agco's Automotive Idol, where singing cars compete for your votes. Give it up for MC Powertrain. Oh, this one goes out to the drivers who forget about preventative maintenance. You know you gotta take a car in regularly or have problems down the road. You'll see when it comes to maintenance, gotta take a stand. Prevention is the word at hand, so keep your car in tune, show the road who's boss, cause that goes down with the overall lowest cost. 
And visit agcoauto.com. That's agcoauto.com to hear entire songs performed by all our contestants. Then vote on your favorite. And remember, for vehicle fixed right the first time for the overall lowest cost, Agco is the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and just give us a call? We'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. And we've got Sue Lamb's been patiently holding. Good morning, ma'am. Hi, good morning, Louis and Brian. Good, good morning. I just have to tell you all, I love listening to your show. Oh, thank Even you. though it's like a foreign language, <laughs> I learn a little bit every time I live. Well, that's I a good thing. <laughs> But I have a, I think, a simple question. Okay. I have a, an H3, and I think it's a 2006. Okay. And every now and again, the brakes sound like they're scraping. And my husband has brought it in, mm-hmm. of course, to the dealership. Yes, ma'am. And the, uh, they say it that it could be the, it's the self-adjusting brakes. Does that sound right to y'all? Nah, that sounds more like hogwash there let me it's ask inter- you Suzanne. it's intermittent it doesn't what, I mean, it's what, kind of, what kind of a noise is it when it does it it sounds like just kind of like a like a scraping like a grinding thing and, and, and applying yeah. the brakes brings it on yes when you let off the brakes it goes away yes hmm do you feel it at all or you just hear it i don't really feel it i just hear it I mean, it, it doesn't seem to be affecting the car at right, all. Right, right. Suzanne, that may just be the type of material that the brakes are made of. They use all kinds of things these days, from ceramics to oh, esters and, and fiberglass and on and on and on. Some brake materials do make a grinding noise intermittently from time to time under certain conditions. Now, if you kind of watch... If it does it more like when the humidity is really high or something like that, mm-hmm. or if it does it on the first couple stops and then quits after the vehicle warms up, then it's probably nothing. It's probably just some pad noise. Okay. If it does it totally intermittently, and there's, it doesn't matter if it's hot or cold, and it does it and continues to do it for long periods of time and all that, then we've probably got some kind of an issue going on there. When... The pads are installed on that vehicle at GM or when you do a replacement brake service. You're supposed to lubricate that pad with a special grease. It's a high-temperature grease. It goes on the backside between the piston and the, the steel part of the pad. Right, and that quiets them down because what you're doing is you're squeezing some pads against a steel rotor that's turning, right. and that's how you stop it. So you're creating a bunch of vibration and stuff anyway. The only way to make it quiet is to lubricate it where it can all move around freely. If something is no longer lubricated, and is that the original brakes on the vehicle? I think so, yes. Yeah, well, you figure they'll put on there in 2006. They're five years old. Going through car washes and stuff can eventually wash some of that grease out, and that will definitely take a pad-type noise and make it much worse. Now, it's not something, if that's what it is, it's not something that necessarily has to be addressed. It's just an annoyance. It's not really a problem. When they replace the brakes at the first service, they'll re-lubricate everything, and it will probably all go away. Was it quiet for a good period of time, and it just kind of started after a couple of years? Yes. Yeah, that's most likely what it is. And 
technically, I mean, we could take, tear it all down, lube all the pads back up, put it all back together, but it would cost you almost as much as just doing a brake job to do that. So I would probably just wait until the pads wear out, and when they do, just have it done by somebody that knows what they're doing and let them put the lubricant and all back in there, and you'll probably see your noise go away. Well, y'all aren't too far from me, so it probably will be y'all. Well, we'll sure do it for you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you, Suzanne. Bye-bye. Bye. If you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would love to have you. Brake noise is one of those things that used to be a chronic problem. Right. Back when, way back, when, when I was working on, they had asbestos in the past. Of course, that was perfect. They, they had brakes back then? Oh, yeah, man. Like a stick, you know, you pull out. <laughs> <laughs> like Fred Flintstone, you stuck your foot out. There you go. Yeah, the asbestos was a great brake material. It was. It was quiet. It lasted long. Did a good job. Held up the heat and all that. Of course, they outlawed that. Well, when they did, they started coming out with metallic and fiberglass and all Ceramics the different things. And, yeah. And for a long, long, long time, they had a lot, a lot of complaints with brake noise. Now, recently, I say recently, in the last four years or so, seems like they've got some pretty good materials on the market now because we don't have near the instances of brake noise complaints Generally, when you see a brake noise now, it's either isolated to a certain type vehicle. Uh They just didn't get the material right, or somebody's done the job wrong. Right. They left the shims out. They didn't lubricate something. They ground the rotors up too much when they did the brakes on it. Put the wrong pads back on. Put the wrong pads, threw a set of cheap aftermarket junk on there. But if you do them correctly, the way the factory says, generally you don't really have much problem with brake noise any longer uh, occasionally you'll get a noise but very very rarely do we see brake noise it's just not not really a big complaint that we hear like we did for a while there yeah let's see i think we can sneak a couple of calls in we've got dave online good morning dave hey i got an 04 dodge dakota uh-huh i changed my brakes about fifty thousand miles and i went with some good ceramics mm-hmm. anyway when i first get in the morning and and back out the driveway to mm-hmm. pull out to go to work mm-hmm. I get a little like a horn. Uh, yeah, my rear yeah. brakes, and then it stops. It's good. It never does it the rest of the day. Yeah, that's kind of characteristic, Dave. On the aftermarket pads, you're gonna get that noise. Doesn't really hurt anything, but see that vehicle probably came originally with a metallic pad. When you went with a ceramic pad, it's much harder, and it's just gonna be noisier. I mean, as long as it's not grinding anything up or hurting anything, it's just gonna be an annoyance. Kind of like the last call, if you took them off and lubed the backside of them with some high-temperature grease between the pad and the caliper and all the mounting points, you could probably quiet that down a good bit. Another thing that we do on them, you know where the edge of the pad is? It's cut square. Yep. If you take and bevel that edge, just take like a big file or a rasp and just knock that sharp edge off the pads on all four corners, that helps an awful lot with that. All right, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind, of, kind of, of like dragging your fingernails on a blackboard. That sharp edge just makes a growling noise. Yeah, I think it's... First thing in the morning after yeah. it's rested all night. Well, you see, on. you get a little moisture on right. those brake rotors, get a little film of rust on them, and then you crank up first time. It, it just makes noise until it wipes all that clean and right. it kind of goes away. And one time, you can kind of deal with one time of, of right. operation. So Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy with those uh, ceramics. Mm-hmm. I don't get the black dust or anything, and they're holding up good. I've got yeah. about 45,000 miles Yeah, on. that's not that's bad. Great. you got to just watch. Sometimes on the back, it's not going to be too much of an issue, but on the front, you can end up warping the rotors with those a lot of times. I always like to use the original equipment pads just for those reasons. Overall, it's going to be the best pad. Right. Hey, we're just totally out of time. we got to get on out of here. We'll tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this morning and every morning also. That's right. Every day, anytime keep, they want. Keep listening and refer your friends and also enjoy hearing from you on the emails. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.